The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Frank Holland, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show is live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. here at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your 5 at 5. We start with stocks struggling to keep momentum going after a broad-based bounce back yesterday. Futures currently are in the red. A big part of this morning's market move, it's Nike. Shares sinking after slashing its outlook and unveiling a $2 billion cost-cutting program. Also key for investors today, the latest read on personal income and PCE, the Fed's favorite measure of inflation. We're going to see if Powell and company can can declare victory today. Plus, the White House may be taking a closer look at Nippon's $14 billion deal for U.S. steel. And then later in the show, Apple officially pulls its most high-end watches for its U.S. online store. We're going to speak with one shareholder and get their take it's Friday, December the 22nd, 2023. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning. Welcome to Worldwide Exchange. Happy Friday as well. Let's get you ready to start this day. As always, we kick off the hour with a check on U.S. stock futures. Taking a look right now, and you can see futures are in the red. Looks like the Dow would open about 90 points lower right now. S&P and the Nasdaq firmly in the red as well. This after a broad-based rally yesterday that cut down Wednesday's losses by more than half. Ahead of the open, the S&P is now on pace for its longest weekly win streak since 2017, up eight weeks in a row. A big part of this story this morning is Dow component Nikes. Take a look. Shares in the red this morning, down more than 11.5%, just slammed after uh, it's actually set to shave 92 points from the Dow after lowering outlook for the year and unveiling a massive $2 billion cost-cutting plan. Much more on this throughout the morning. Checking the bond market as well ahead of two potentially yield-moving events today, personal income and PCE, both out at 8.30 a.m. Eastern. Yields on the 10, 20, and 30-year, hitting levels not seen since July. Right now, looking at the benchmark, at 3.86, basically a percent lower than the year high so far. All right, let's see how Europe is shaping up as this trading gets underway. Our Arabile Goumide is live in our London newsroom with much more of the early action. Arabile, good morning and happy Friday. Yeah, happy Friday, Frank. Look, the market actually hasn't joined in on the festivities out of the United States that we saw yesterday, right? That uptick that came across, unfortunately not filtering through to the market out of Europe. Only the FTSE 100 managing to gain around a tenth of a percent thus far, although we have seen the market vacillate between gains and losses. So pretty much in and around that flat line. Really, the UK on the back of that GDP number, the third quarter GDP number has been revised downward. It was up 0.2 percent. It's actually now been revised to negative 0.1 percent. So that doesn't necessarily help things across the board then. But you had made note of Nike not so long ago, that going down around 11.5% in that pre-market trading picture. Just an overall look at the sportswear brands across Europe as well. They're not faring any better, right? 5.7% down for Adidas. So too down goes Puma with JD Sports also getting a bit of a hit there of 5.5%. So some negativity still continuing to filter through across Europe's sports brands then as well. So this negativity may be one to look out for as we check out the open of course of Nike a little bit later. 
All right, Airbnb, thank you very much. Happy Friday. And you're supposed to tell me when we're wearing black, man. You got black on today. You didn't give me the memo. Good to see you. All right, turn our attention back to the U.S. market. We're going to bring in Steve Chevron, Portfolio Manager and Equity Strategist at Federated Hermes. Steve, good morning. Great to have you here. Good morning, Frank. How you doing? All right, so give us a sense. Stan, futures a bit in the red right now after what's been a pretty broad-based rally for the markets in recent weeks. What do you think's doing it? What's putting us in the red today? Is, that, is it the Nike results or is there some other factor? I think certainly Nike has been a little bit of a disappointment. Uh, you've got some news on uh, gaming regulation out of China, which which isn't positive. That's another example of, of that government kind of stepping in with surprise regulations that have spooked the market a little bit. But I think you got to be really, really careful, Frank. I mean, we're at the time of the year now where volumes are low um, and, and markets can move a little bit more than you'd think. Uh, without a lot of fundamentals behind them, it just is a factor of low volume. I think that's what's going on. We've had a heck of a rally in the last eight weeks. Yeah, certainly been a great rally. So um, you're looking for things outside of Nike right now. I know you're also paying attention to Washington, D.C., uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer delaying the recess that was scheduled. Give us a sense. Why should investors pay attention to this? Do you think it's actually having a market impact as well? Look, I, I, I think as you as you look at Washington, it's going to become a bigger story over the course of 2024. I mean, I think that's the story. We certainly have a little bit of an election coming up. Um, the issues that have just gone on in Colorado certainly raise, you know, some questions and risks about that. And I think, you know, as you look into 24, politics are going to continue to play a bigger and bigger role, at least at a headline level. You know, I think when you think about overall where the economy and the markets are going to go, though, the real story here is that inflation is coming down. And I think we're going to get more evidence of that today. The economy is staying relatively strong. And as long as employment levels stay strong and inflation comes down, you know, we think we're biased higher over the course of, of 24. All right. So you're mentioning you're leading me to my next question. PCE coming out at 830 a.m. Eastern. Looking at the estimates right now. Um, estimate is for core PCE to come in at 3.3 percent and decline from the previous month of 3.5 percent. Does that give the markets a lot of confidence in your mind or do we already have the idea that the Fed's going to cut baked in? Yeah, look, I think Powell was was so almost over the top in, in, in talking about cuts at the last press conference that you would need to see to change that market narrative. It's not just good news. Good news being bad news, that threshold has risen now. It's got to be so good that it threatens the idea that the Fed you know, would cut. And, and in the Fed's own projections, the economy is relatively strong next year, and they're still cutting. So I think that that bar has been raised. Um, you've gotten some pushback from other governors, but it really hasn't won the day. The, the story here is that the Fed is at least done. Markets do very well when the Fed is on pause. And if we get a couple of rate cuts in an environment where the economy is still strong, then I think that gives us even more upside because you could get some multiple expansion. So I, right. it would need to be a real shocker to change that narrative. So I want to be clear. You think it's only a market mover if it surprises to the upside. If it comes in anywhere close to expected, yeah. do you think that's already baked in? I think that's right. All right. I think that's right. Steve Chevron, always great to see you. Happy Friday. Have a great weekend. Happy New Year. All right, let's get a check on some of this morning's top corporate stories. Markets in the red, Silvana Hanau in the green. Good morning. <laughs> That's right, Frank. Good Friday morning to you. Who knows? Maybe, maybe mar markets will turn green. All right, let's get you some headlines. The White House may be taking a look at Nippon Steel's $14.1 billion deal for U.S. Steel. In a statement, top Biden economic advisor Lael Brainerd said, quote, the purchase of this iconic American-owned company by a foreign entity even one from a close ally, appears to deserve serious scrutiny in terms of its potential impact on national security and supply chain 
reliability. Now, if approved, the deal would create the world's second largest steel company. Meanwhile, Berkshire Hathaway continues to grow its stake in Occidental Petroleum, according to filings, buying another 5.2 million shares since Tuesday, bringing its total ownership in the energy giant to 243.7 million shares of a 27 27- 0.7% stake. Berkshire paid an average price of about $60 a share, valuing this latest buy at $313 million. Buffett's Berkshire restarted buying Oxy stock last week after a more than one month hiatus. And Apple has officially stopped selling the Apple Watch Series 9 and Apple Watch Ultra 2 smartwatches on its U.S. website, listing them as Currently unavailable, the page now features a promotional image for the Apple Watch SE. That's a a lower cost model first introduced in 2022 that is unaffected by the patent dispute, Frank. Yeah, we'll continue to watch this story. It hasn't had a big impact on Apple, but we have to wait and see. Those watches, though, they're pretty popular holiday gifts. They are, and I also heard that now uh, they won't even be able to work on your watches. Really? Um, yeah, that the only way they'll be able to help you is through some sort of software update. So. A lot of people are going to be, because people love those watches. I, I love it. I have one. You have one? Well, I do. Go. All right, Silvana, thank you. We'll see you later yeah. in the show. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, we've got a lot more to come, including the one word that investors have to know today. But first, shares of Nike, they're getting hit hard ahead of the open. But our next guest says she's not giving up on this stock just yet. Plus, much more on Apple's patent problems and if it's doing anything to scare one long-term investor. And later, we dig into the $326 billion data center market with the CEO of Equinix and what he sees as the biggest opportunity for his company in 2024. We have a very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Shares of Nike under pressure down double digits this morning after missing revenue expectations for the second straight quarter and slashing its full-year fiscal outlook. The company now expecting sales to increase by just 1% compared to the previous forecast of mid-single digits due to macro headwinds in China and the greater Europe region. Nike also announcing $2 billion in cost cuts, including a simpler product assortment, increased automation, and reduction in management layers. All those moves part of an effort to accelerate innovation and drive long-term profitability. Let's talk much more about this with Jessica Ramirez, retail research analyst at Jane Holly and Associates. Good morning. Good morning, Frank. All right, great to have you here, especially on a day like this. Nike shares down double digits, uh, having a 90-point negative impact on the Dow this morning, so having a big impact on the markets. 
Give us a sense. Nike beat on earnings, but of course, lowered their revenue expectations. Is that what's really weighing on this stock or is it something else? Yeah, look, I'm not surprised this has been the reaction. And also this was Nike's plan going forward. We've seen this actually from quite a lot of brands and retailers during earnings season where they have decided to cut costs. And it's really to navigate during a very volatile consumer backdrop as we go into 2024 and really protect margins. So I'm not surprised. I do feel the investor community has been very bullish on Nike. It has been very positive overall. It is still a great brand and they were likely expecting something better. Um, and obviously, again, I think it's a it's a prudent approach going forward. All right. So you're, you're not surprised. Obviously, investors don't like it right now. But long term, do you think this is a wise decision to narrow? the? I think so. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no go. Well, just narrowing the product line, um, you know, Nike's facing a lot of competition from rivals like Ahoka and on cloud. Reducing assortment, is that the answer right now as you're seeing competition heat up? Yeah, so if we analyze what Nike's assortment is, it is very large. There's a lot of product. There's a lot of different categories they go to. So you have football, you have golf, you know, the, the list goes on. When you want to have, what you really want to have is a product assortment that is productive. So you want to reduce anything that is not a bestseller, something that isn't necessarily of interest to the consumer. So you want to make sure that you have the best product assortment in store that is going to attract consumers and remove anything that isn't. Um, obviously, they've had inventory to be down. They've been managing that very well. They've talked about promotions, but those promotions have actually been minimal. Um, and again, they've been protecting margin as much as they can, which we saw that to be um, really weigh in this, this quarter and part of the plan going forward. All right. So there were some positives. We don't, don't only want to focus on the negatives and the cost cutting. Uh, Jordan and the women's business, women yes. now about 40 percent of all consumers for Nike products. Um, longer term, how should investors view that? That, I believe, is still a growth channel, women's, Jordan, and the running category overall. Right. With women's, we've seen a lot of innovation, really focusing on what is in need for the women's consumer product. And that has really feel generated a lot of women interest. Um, again, you know, a product that suits women, it's not necessarily just for men um, or keeping the, the male mindset intact in, in for the product. It makes sense. But the Jordan as well, there's a lot okay. of growth. They've been tapping into other categories, so that's always great. Yeah, the company also highlighted a potential sales boost from the Olympics. You mentioned the running category. Um, again, Nike shares down double digits, but I want to broaden this discussion into what Nike's results, what do they mean for the overall retail sector? Our Courtney Reagan has more on what to watch in retail for 2024. Well, 2023 was an active year for retail. Even with increasing macroeconomic headwinds, the U.S. consumer proved resilient. In 2024, perhaps that will change. Some multi-category retailers have called out softness in apparel and home goods this year. Home Depot called 2023 the year of moderation. So Fitch predicts 2024 will continue to pressure retailers exposed to those same discretionary categories as consumers favor spending on travel and experiences instead. Then again, to that point, tourist spending could present opportunities for retail. The business of fashion and McKenzie predict international tourism will grow 10% in 2024 over 2019 levels, back when it was most normal. And those tourists are traveling to the U.S. with the intent 
to shop. And while artificial intelligence has long existed in retail, particularly for product suggestions online, expect to see 2024 deliver even more personalized, targeted ads or suggested products powered by AI on retail sites and on your social networks. Machine learning will also help retailers improve inventory management and uncover cost efficiencies harder for human analysis to detect. Frank? I got some great human analysis there from our Courtney Reagan. Thank you to her. Jessica, I want to come back over to you. What's your outlook for retail next year, and do you have a top pick? Yeah, so with 2024, we do feel the first half will be mirrored by what we've seen in 2023 in the second half. Consumers have continued to be quite cautious with their spend, and a lot of brands and retailers have been responding to that by being quite conservative with their outlook and also the way that they're managing their business. So I don't feel that will necessarily change. Obviously, we have still a very tough consumer backdrop and also a lot of geopolitical um, issues going forward. With as far as favorite categories, we still believe wellness and beauty are are top. Um, wellness being in anything that is apparel and mm-hmm. also footwear and within beauty, anything that is wellness as well. So that tends to be still where we see the consumer spend um, when they are spending, when, when they decide. And also as far as favorites, we still quite like Ulta. We like Lulu, okay. we like Dix. Um, again, so any of these retailers that are managing better with these sort of um, categories is, is really our top pick for, for 2024. All right, there we go. Uh, Jessica Ramirez from Jane Holly and Associates. Top picks for next year, Ulta, Lululemon, and Dick's Sporting Goods. Great to see you. Thanks for being here. Good to see you. Bye-bye. All right, coming up here at Worldwide Exchange, why shares of two major online video game makers are losing a quarter of their value in overnight trading in Asia. We're going to bring you the full story right after this. Canva presents Unexplained Appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? The real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. All right. Welcome back. Let's get a check on more of this morning's headlines. Uh, Jessica Layton's in New York with the very latest. Jessica, good morning. We are beginning with Thursday's tragedy in the Czech Republic. The country has been rocked by a rare mass shooting. At least 14 people killed in the capital of Prague. The massacre happened at the historic Charles University. The suspected gunman is among the dead. While the exact motive is unclear, authorities have so far ruled out any political or extremist agenda. Rudy Giuliani is filing for bankruptcy. The move comes a day after a judge ordered the former New York City mayor to start paying the nearly $150 million that he owes for defaming two Georgia election workers. According to court documents, Giuliani has up to $500 million in debt, but only $1 to $10 million in assets. An attorney for the election workers says the move will not discharge the debt that Giuliani owes them. And breaking overnight in the world of baseball, the Dodgers on Thursday signing standout Japanese pitcher Yoshinobu Yamamoto to a 12-year, $325 million deal. That's the highest amount ever given to a pitcher. He is the latest acquisition for an L.A. squad that now features Shohei Otani and Tyler Glass now. And Frank, we know how you love a good sports story. Back to you. (laughs) 
I'm excited for the Dodgers this year. I'm not a huge baseball fan, but just watching Otani, just amazing. I think it's going to be a great squad. All right, Jessica, great to see you. Have a great weekend. You too. All right, coming up, we dig into the $326 billion data center market with the CEO of Equinix and a worldwide exchange exclusive. We're going to find out what he sees as the biggest opportunity for his company in 2024. Much more WEX coming up after this. What was my ambition when I was starting out? Survival. I love the word ambition. Ambition is passion. It's a key ingredient of greatness. To me, ambition is being undaunted by the impossible. I'm ambitious for the nation. I'm ambitious for its people. I'm ambitious for my people. My ambition has always been to seek the truth. To learn as much as I possibly could. To make an impact. I believe in dreaming big. I always have. My ambition is to show gratitude. Yes. Ambition. <laughs> it's got America written all over it. Ambition really is the foundation of capitalism. I wanted to do great things in this country. My ambition is to do very well in business and to take those profits and recycle back in society to try to make the world a better place. Everything can be a reality. I see ambition everywhere. In many ways, ambition, human ambition, is what drives the world. It's right around 5.30 a.m. in the New York City area, and there's a lot more ahead here on Worldwide Exchange. Here's what's still on deck. Wall Street's weekly win streak is at risk as futures point to a lower open. But if Santa has his way, expect more gains in the days ahead. This morning, it's all about Nike. Shares getting hit hard in the pre-market after a weak outlook and a massive $2 billion cost-cutting program. We break down the quarter in just a moment. Plus, where our next guest says, the bear case against a Paramount Warner Brothers merger is so much stronger than the bull case for it. It's Friday, December the 22nd, 2023. You are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Collin. Happy Friday. Let's get you ready to start the day. As always, you're going to pick up the half an hour with a check on U.S. stock futures. Take a look in the red across the board. Looks like the Dow would open 90 points lower. The Nasdaq down about a quarter of a percent as well. So this is what you're seeing right here. This follows a broad-based rally yesterday that cut down Wednesday's losses by more than half. Ahead of the open, the S&P 500 now on pace for its longest weekly win streak since 2017, up eight weeks in a row. We're also checking the bond market this morning ahead of personal income and PCE, both out at 8.30 a.m. Eastern time. Take a look here. Yields on the 10, 20, and 30-year, hitting levels not seen since July. The 10-year, the benchmark down, the yield 1% lower than its high of the year that was hit. All, just Honestly, just back in October, so it wasn't that long ago, uh, down 1% from there. All right, a big part of the story this morning will be down component Nike. Shares are really getting slammed in the pre-market, set to lose $20 billion in market value at the open today. It's also shaving about 90 points from the Dow, so just do the simple math. The Dow would be flat if it weren't for these Nike results. The company reporting its second straight top-line miss after strong North American and Asia sales. They just weren't enough to offset weakness in China and in Europe. Nike also cutting its full-year sales outlook to just 1% on concerns. Consumers all around the world are reining in their spending. In the current quarter, which includes the second half of the holiday shopping season, Nike now expects sales to be slightly negative from a year ago. The company also has plans to shave up to $2 billion in cost over the next three years through streamlining the organization, shedding employees, and a number of other moves. 
Turn our attention now to tech and media and what's been a very busy week for the sector. We want to bring in one of our favorite guests for her hot takes on the biggest stories from the week that was and the setup for the year ahead. Of course, it's Nancy Tangler, an Apple and Alphabet shareholder, also CEO and CIO of Laffer Tangler Investments. Nancy, happy Friday, happy holidays. Great to have you here. Thank you, Frank. It's good to be here. I only get up this early for you. (laughs) Thank you, Nancy. I really appreciate it. Christmas (laughs) gift just for me. All right. We're going to get right into things. Let's kick it off with the most widely held stock in the United States. That's Apple. After losing a series of challenges, Apple is officially halting online sales of its Apple Watch Series 9 and Ultra 2 over a heart rate patent dispute. The news, it hasn't really hurt the stock, which is up nearly 50% this year. Give us a sense. As an investor, how big of a deal is this for Apple? I don't think it's that big of a deal, Frank. I mean, I think they have other problems, but this will get resolved. Most people who buy the watch don't even know that that function's available. I've heard many people say, uh, well, this was a a stunt to get uh, to pull forward sales. It may have been. I I don't think it is. Uh, I bought one, though, in anticipation of, uh, you know, them uh, stopping the sale of the the company, uh, I'm sorry, of the watch. But the important thing to note about Apple is they have announced $100 billion in share buybacks. That will put, whether or not the stock rallies much from here, that will put a floor under the price while they figure things out. And this notion about innovation that they haven't innovated, um, you know, that was the concern when when Tim Cook took over in 2020. 11 stocks up 1600% since then. So you kind of um, need to respect the name and uh, use weakness to, to add to holdings. Yeah. Um, you know, as you mentioned, big rise under cook up uh, 1300% under cook, by the way, Nancy, I, I don't think you can call it a stun if you actually bought one. I think it was just an effective sales technique. If you actually bought one over the concerns, but we're going to move on. Uh, we're going to turn to media and ongoing reports of a possible Paramount Warner Brothers Discovery tie-up to create a streaming giant potentially capable of challenging a Disney and a Netflix. Uh, investors appear just a bit unenthusiastic about the prospects of this deal. Shares of both companies actually down sharply this week. What's your take? I mean, I think the biggest concern about this deal is the debt load. So they're going to, if if they combine, they'll have over sixty billion in debt. Uh, Paramount has negative free cash flow. Uh, They are committed, or at least the uh, Warner Brothers CEO, Zaslav, has said he's committed to linear TV, which is in decline. So I just kind of harken back to Office Max and Office Depot, a model that was was going away and they were trying to combine uh, to to at least mitigate some of the the damage and the loss in in sales and free cash flow. But this is a business model that I think you want to run away from. Uh, Streaming is here to stay. They They have some you know, streaming exposure. I'm a Paramount Plus subscriber, but I, I just think there's better places to be invested, particularly with the debt load uh, and and the, the space that they're traveling in. Yeah. Right now we're showing some of the assets that would be combined uh, if this deal possibly happens. So some pretty, you know, big name things, MTV, DC Comics, um, a lot of big, well-known things. I do want to ask you, maybe you're not that enthusiastic like other investors about this tie-up, but what does it mean for our parent company, Comcast, and its streaming ambitions? I mean, Comcast has been a sleeper surprise this year. They've done, uh, the stock has done really well in an environment I wouldn't have expected it to. I, I think Comcast is has a se- secure spot because, I mean, they have CNBC uh, among other assets. But yeah, the space is getting crowded. And, you know, I think the next the way the way I see it, it's, it reminds me of um, when the telephone company split up and then 
been remerged. Uh, there, it's it's a space that is slowing, and so you have to stand out. Uh, and the parks that Comcast owns. I mean, there's many things that add to the the bottom line and the attractiveness of the name that Paramount and Warner Brothers don't have. And remember, they have a huge dependence on box office, and we see that in a in a slow decline rather than you know the pre-COVID bounce we got. Appreciate the CNBC shout up. Uh, Comcast shares up just about 26% year to date. So, you know, as you said, good year. All right, last but certainly not least, Alphabet this week agreeing to a $700 million settlement over anti-competitive behavior in its Google Play Store. So this is just the latest in a string of antitrust actions against big tech here in the U.S. as well as overseas. What do you think? Well, we uh, I'm a, call me an unenthusiastic owner of Google. We, we do own it. Uh, we, we do think that it's attractively valued at 17 times earnings. but And, and they have a, a wide and deep mode around them, which is an important thing to be aware of. I, they're behind on generative AI. Uh, you know, the, the word is that, that this is going to be a better solution than Microsoft's, but they, they'd lost the mind, the intellectual uh, ownership of it. So the suits are not super um, debilitating to the company. You know, you had $700 million uh, that they have to pay out in the state suit, and then the Epic suit, we'll see that that has yet to be decided. Uh, they're going to appeal all of this, so these, these things are going to string out into 2024, 2025. So I think you use weakness to add to the name if you don't own it, but um, it's not a major holding for us. It is a holding. There you go. We'll have to watch out for all those legal wranglings. Nancy Tengler, it is always great to see you. Happy holidays. Looking forward to seeing you in the new year. You too, Frank. Thanks so much. All right, we're going to stick with tech now. The AI boom is helping lift one pocket of the sector in a very big way. It's data centers. This week, Amazon announcing plans to build an $87 million data center in Portage, Michigan, just as Microsoft completes its own purchase of 1,000 acres of land in Wisconsin for future AI data centers. And Micron, citing strong data center demand in its full-year revenue forecast earlier this week. Another name benefiting from this trend is data center and enterprise network company Equinix. Shares up more than 20% this year. Its customers include NVIDIA, Walmart, Salesforce, and Uber, and also partners with all three of the major hyperscalers. That's, of course, Microsoft, Amazon, and Google. Joining me now in a CNBC exclusive interview to discuss the data center business and the outlook for AI in 2024 is Equinix president and CEO, Charles Myers. Good morning, Charles. Great to have you here. Morning, Frank. Thanks for having me. All right. So we just mentioned your stock's having a solid year this year. Um, your customers, some big name customers, again, NVIDIA, Walmart, a number of other big name customers. What are they telling you about their needs when it comes to data centers in 2024 and their outlook for AI? Well, I, you know, what we're seeing, I think, and have been seeing for, I think, a number of years is a broad trend on digital transformation as a major strategic priority for businesses, whether service providers or enterprise customers. And uh, that continues. And in fact, we really see AI as sort of fuel on the fire for that demand. And so uh, right now, really, really solid pipeline for uh, for AI as an opportunity and how people are thinking about that. And, uh, and I think that's fueling, as you said, a significant demand for the underlying uh, data centers to support that. So one part of your business, you're a technically a read, uh, is the dividend payout. You actually raised your dividend by 25% a few weeks ago. Um, give us a sense. What gave you the confidence to raise your dividend? How should investors view that decision? Well, it's really a reflection of the incredible uh, cash flow profile of the business and uh, and I think the strength that we have as a market leader in a growing space. And so that was really just, uh, you know, us assessing what, uh, you know, the continued um, you know, uh, compliance requirements we have as a REIT uh, to dividend out our profits and uh, and I think a really, really good outcome for our investors. 
All right. So on your last earnings call, another topic you were talking about uh, was private AI. Give us a sense. What is private AI? What industries right now are trying to utilize private AI? Well, all of them, really. I mean, it's uh, I would say, you know, we, we, we talk about Equinix as the place that private AI happens. And what we're seeing is a really, you know, uh, people are absolutely embracing uh, the hyperscalers as uh, providers of key technologies for AI um, and, uh, and other partners looking at NVIDIA and others. Um, but, uh, you know, Deploying some of those technologies um, at Equinix is really compelling. Private AI, look, people, data is the underlying fuel for AI, and people care deeply about their data. They want control over that data. And so they're coming to us in many uh, cases saying, look, we want to have control over our data. We want to be able to use all of the uh, clouds available to us. Um, and say they really want their data to be proximate to that cloud, uh, to that cloud infrastructure. And, uh, and Equinix is really the place to make that happen. So that's what we're seeing. And, and we've we had some great wins um, with companies, a variety of companies, and have been partnering significantly with NVIDIA and others on this sort of private AI opportunity. All right, so you're saying it's a variety of companies, but but give us a better sense. What kind of companies, what kind of sectors? I know you said sure. it's all of them, but certainly there yeah. has to be a concentration <laughs> in some areas. And just to be clear, do, do, can you deploy private AI on the hyperscalers, which are public cloud? Well, when people think about private AI, they're thinking more about having deep control over their own data and putting that proximate to the uh, to the cloud in a in a private setting. And so uh, they're really it's it's really much like uh, much like cloud in terms of you hear the term uh, hybrid cloud. It's uh, private AI is a very similar thing where they're using public uh, you know public clouds, uh, but combining that with a, a data environment that's private um, and, and implementing their AI technologies. And in terms of you know some of the sectors that we've seen uh, a number of you know we've we've had a, a great with some great wins with Continental in the automotive space um, who actually we've been working with Nvidia on that and they're really working on AI and autonomous driving um, we've had a, a great win with Harrison uh, AI an Australian company really working on cancer outcomes so healthcare uh, manufacturing uh, actually retail you know I've seen uh, the you know the uh, the Nike news but what I would tell you is that you know retailers of all sorts are really looking at digital transformation as a major strategic priority they're they're really uh, it's it's uh, okay. fundamental to their survival and so we've actually seen uh, substantial strength in that sector as well all right so we just mentioned some of the companies the big companies investing in data centers your business it's kind of spread out not exactly equally but it's definitely diversified around the world uh, us about yes. 40% of your business emea about 40% of your business then asia is about 20% where do you expect to see the biggest growth next year when it comes to data center demand well, you know, uh, what we're seeing is the the front edge of this AI uh, wave is really hitting more in the Americas and in the U.S. specifically, and that which is not too uh, unusual for some of these technology trends. And so, I, you know, we're uh, we continue to invest aggressively across our uh, our footprint. Um, but I do think uh, you're going to see some strength in the uh, in the U.S. market. Uh, we've actually, you know, had uh, really some accelerated growth in our U.S. market um, over the last uh, few years. Uh, you know, coming back to you know nearly or to double digit growth in that market and so i think that's going to be probably a, br- a bright spot for us um, as we look at uh, the years ahead all right uh, charles myers ceo of equinix saying the ai boom is going to continue right here in the u.s it is great to see you've got to have you back to talk a little bit more about private ai interesting trend there. thank you sounds great thanks frank all right coming up here on worldwide exchange the red sea shipping risk showing no signs of easing as the cost to ship containers appears to be growing by the day stay with us much more worldwide exchange coming up after this
All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your morning call sheet. We start with several analysts cutting their price targets on Nike today. That includes B of A, Goldman, JP Morgan, and UBS. Again, shares are down now 12%. However, Citi holding firm with its $135 price target, saying the pullback in the stock is a buying opportunity. TD Cowan is downgrading paychecks to market from outperforming, cutting its price target to $123. TD expects the stock will be challenged in the current backdrop, giving rising concerns on moderation in the labor market and the impending reversal in interest rates. You can see shares are down three quarters of 1%. Edward Jones is upgrading analog devices to buy from hold. He expects the company to benefit from the greater use of automated and connected devices, leading to more chips in each device. Also, cars with enhanced features and the continued move to EVs should drive chip demand, according to analysts. Uh, those shares up almost one and a quarter percent. All right, time now for your global briefing. We're going to start with shares of Chinese online gaming giants, Tencent and NetEase. You can see right here, they are sinking in the overnight trade after Beijing unveiled a set of sweeping new regulations designed to clamp down on excessive gaming, including cracking down on incentives meant to boost the amount of money users spend on various online platforms. The inflation-creating crisis in the Red Sea showing no signs of easing up. As of this morning, there are an estimated 158 ships carrying about $105 billion in cargo that are being diverted away from the region for the fears of a Houthi attack. As a result, the cost to ship goods is surging once again and on some routes up 40% month over month, costing as much as $10,000 per container to ship. Tesla says it's acquired a new plot of land and the future site of its Shanghai Megapack factory paving the way for construction to finally begin. Tesla says the factory will be able to produce 10,000 battery packs a year, with most slated for export. Construction was originally set to begin in the third quarter of this year, with production kicking off in the second quarter of 2024. Taking a look at shares of Tesla right now, basically flat in the pre-market. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, the one word that every investor needs to know today, plus why history and Santa may be on Wall Street side as we kick off the final trading days of 2023. And if you haven't already, follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple, Spotify, and other podcast apps. Much more Wex after this. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Quick look at the tree right there, but it's time now for your Wex wrap-up. We're following shares of Nike this morning. They're falling after missing on revenue for a second straight quarter. And the company also slashed its full-year outlook, also announcing $2 billion in cost cuts as it focuses on gross margin and cost management. Shares of Nike down almost 12%. National Economic Council President Lael Brainerd pushing back on Nippon Steel's nearly $15 billion acquisition of U.S. Steel. Brainerd says the deal deserves, quote, serious scrutiny due to its potential impact on national security and supply chain reliability. Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway boosting its stake in Occidental Petroleum once again, this time to the tune of around $589 million. The 10.5 million shares added brings Berkshire's total stake in Occidental to just under 28%. And the U.S. Transportation Department reportedly investigating the loyalty programs of major domestic airlines for deceptive or unfair practices. Reuters says the department is looking into whether the devaluation of frequent flyer miles over time makes it harder to book award tickets. Elon Musk lashing out at the state of the U.S. markets during a wide-ranging discussion on X with Kathy Wood of ARK Invest. Musk laments the high regulatory burden, pressure from shareholders that limit efficiency, and how passive investing is fueling volatility. Here's what to watch today. Core PCE for November is out at 8.30 a.m. Eastern along with durable goods. At 9.45 a.m., we get December manufacturing and services PMI numbers. Then at 10, it's November new home sales. All right, it's the most wonderful time of the year for the markets as we enter into another period known as the Santa Claus rally today. 
But that's not the only event that could potentially bring some cheer or maybe even fear to the hearts of investors. Our Bob Pisani is here watching the charts and tracking some seasonal patterns. Hi, Frank. It's that time of year again. It's the Santa Claus rally. The Santa Claus rally is the tendency of the S&P 500 to rise in the last five trading days of one year and the first two trading days of the following year. It's been good for an average gain of 1.3% on the S&P 500 since 1950. No other consecutive seven-day period produces higher results, and it's up 80% of the time. That's pretty good. You know, elsewhere, we're in a remarkably strong seasonal period. This is still the beginning of the best six months of the year. That's November through April. And it's also the best three consecutive months of the year. That's November, December, and January. Elsewhere, this is also the end of a pre-election year. It's the strongest of the four-year election cycle. If this isn't enough for you on seasonality, check this out for 2024. In an election year, when a sitting president is running, which is what's happening next year, the market tends to outperform. In those years, the S&P 500 averages a gain of 12.8%, going all the way back to 1949, according to the Stock Traders Almanac. Now, when there is no sitting president running, the S&P averages a loss of 1.5% on average for the year. Now, wait a minute. Why does this happen? The common explanation is that, first, the markets are stronger with a sitting president because a sitting president can pull certain levers to help the economy. And number two, markets tend to be weaker with no sitting president running because of increased uncertainty around economic outcomes. So based on seasonal patterns, it looks like there may be a bit more life left in the rally. Back to you, Frank. All right. Thank you to our Bob Bassani. Let's talk about All those great stats and much more that Bob just laid out with Victoria Green, founding partner and chief investment officer at G-Squared Private Wealth. She is also a CNBC contributor. You also have your Santa hat on. You're in the spirit of things. So it seems silly to ask based on what you're wearing right now. But Bob says, uh, I believe, 80 percent of the time since 1950, we get a Santa Claus rally. And also um, in a pre-election year with an incumbent president, double digit rally in the markets. Agree, disagree. What's your take on what he said? I agree. Santa's coming to town. Don't fight the tape. You've got such strong technicals right now that are driving this market up. You've also seen one of the best signals we can see, which is breadth had expanded. You know, leading out of this bottom in November and December have been small caps. They've been horrible all year, and finally they're finding some life. They're up about 20% since the end of October, or and it's just great signals in the market. So I think you could see all-time highs. If we do get Santa coming to town in the market next week, you could see us close at 4,800. Yeah, just on visual visual cues, I should have known that you thought there was a Santa Claus rally coming. Um, I also do want to ask you about Nike today. So Nike, pretty much all the declines on the Dow futures right now, um, cost cutting, lowering guidance. How do you see just that report impacting the markets today? I think it could drag down some consumer discretionary and some of the retail places. And it's been a really mixed earnings season. I think that's the hardest thing for investors to grasp is how healthy is the consumer. Nike to me is fascinating. Yes, they missed a little bit. They disappointed. But they have this $2 cost cutting, which should help them over the coming years. And historically this year, companies that announced cost cutting have been rewarded in the market. So it's very interesting to see Nike be punished. I think there was a lot of concerns. China came in weaker than they wanted. Uh, Europe, Middle East, and Africa came in much weaker. Those two sections as well as the U.S. lagging really cause investors to step back and say, okay, you're going to have to get through inventory. You're going to have to maybe do some discounting to get through inventory and concerns near term that you see continued reductions in sales forecasts. So I think Nike and a lot of these retail and sportings could could take a little bit of a hit today. All right. So you already kind of gave us your sense of how you see the day ahead. But just to kind of put uh, a button on it, 
What's your works for the day? I have a feeling it's Christmas related. I would, no, no, never. It's obviously Christmassy. It's Blitzen. Number one, it's my favorite reindeer name. And then number two, it comes from the Dutch word for blitz, which means lightning fast attack or raid. And right now we are in an absolutely blitz raid in this market, a rally, rally, rally. And so I think it's Blitzen leading the way and, and we'll see him continue to come through the year. But fun fact, all the reindeer are actually probably female because male reindeers tend to shed their antlers in the fall. So Blitzen and Rudolph might actually be chicks. This is so much more Rudolph, uh, I mean, sorry, uh, reindeer information than I was even, you just like hit me with so much right there. You threw me off for a minute. Um, I also want to talk to you about something else. Um, B of A out with its flow show data just now. This is data from the previous week. New record set, $1.3 trillion in flowing into cash. What does that say to you? Investors are still a little scared, and cash is an alternative. You're still making your 5% plus, but that buildup of cash on the sidelines, again, is a bullish sign because there's so much dry powder that can continue to flow on the markets if investors start to get a little bit more FOMO. So while rates potentially shifting down next year could push more of this cash into the markets if they don't get these juicy yields, but obviously investors see a, a little bit of risk and, and maybe want to want to make their earnings, and I'm happy for anybody that is moving into something like a money market or something making them interest, please don't be sitting in bank deposit at 0.01% at this point in the market cycle. All right. So one more from B of A. Uh, flow show, no, always a good one. $33 billion in outflows from Treasury inflation uh, protected security. So in your mind, is that the market just basically saying we think the inflation story is going to continue to go downward? I think it is. And I think PCE will probably confirm it this morning. Peak inflation is likely behind us. You know, we're seeing all these trends. Honestly, if PCE comes in where it's anticipated today, your six-month PCE is going to be right around that 2% target. Um, and so I think okay. with these easing inflation concerns, you, you are seeing peak inflation well behind us. All right. Last thing, your pick. One of them for us today is Well Tower, ticker W-E-L-L. -L. It's a REIT. We had another read on earlier, but it's kind of a combination of two kind of underloved sectors Real estate and healthcare. Why so bullish on this for next year? Okay, don't hate on the REITs. They REITs are the best sectors when, when rates start coming down. So some of it's a play in the changing rate environment, but it's a healthcare sector and senior living. And you've seen the rise of the boomers and our aging population and construction hasn't caught up. So I love okay. the senior living part of the real estate sector. <sighs> love the Santa hat, Vicki. Always great to see you. Very Christmassy. Blitz in your favorite reindeer. Didn't see that coming. Thank you. One quick look at futures Christmas, before we right. let you go right now. As we mentioned all morning long, futures are in the red. The Dow is down, looks like about 82 points right now. Nike alone being about 90 points on the downside for the Dow. Shares down about 12% right now. Thank you for watching. You have a great weekend and a great Christmas. Squawk Box coming up next. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.